We are in John chapter 8, starting at verse 31. Jews, which believed on him, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me, because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we ask that you would, uh, you would bless the seed of your word, that we find fertile soil within us, Lord. Lord, that you would change us, transform us, that we would uh, be different than we, uh, that we are this morning. God, that you would that we'd be more into your image, in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I want to talk to you for a few moments about rest. Now, this doesn't mean that you get to take a nap now in the middle of the service and say, ah, that's the rest that I want. No, I'm talking about there's a rest. There's a rest that happens in the Lord that I think oftentimes we miss. The reason why I know this, I'm speaking from experience. This is something that, you know, that I would have been going uh, through um, just as of late, just not realizing how important rest is. I think almost to us, for, for some of us, that that word rest is a four-letter word that we don't like. We want to keep going. We want to keep moving. We got to do this. We got to do that. We got to keep going, 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 right? That's the, that's the kind of culture that, you know, that is nowadays. Nowadays is, is we got to keep going. If we're not doing something, then there's something wrong, right? That's the way that it seems. But I want to take you through, the, uh, through the, the scriptures that are in here first, and then I want to get you to, uh, to that part. I want to uh, get you to, to realize that rest is okay. Amen. That rest is okay. Last week we talked about, uh, actually a couple weeks prior, we talked about the fact that Jesus had, uh, may, uh, had revealed an amazing truth in telling the woman that was caught in adultery to go and sin no more. Then last week, uh, as my wife has, has, has brought up, that, that he tells his hearers that light utterly destroys the darkness and that he is that light and the light of the world that they had been waiting for. They had been waiting for that light, and when he comes and he reveals that to them, they don't like it. Why? Because the Bible says that people don't like the light because it reveals their evil deeds. It reveals those things that they don't like, that they don't want anybody to know about. But how many of you know if you're free and the light is in you, you don't mind the light being in you because there's nothing that's, there, there should be nothing that you're afraid of being exposed to, right? Or having exposed in front of everybody else. People can come up with false accusations and all these different things about you, but it doesn't bother you. You know why? Because you know it's not true. So let's look at verse uh, 30, uh, 31 and 30. It says, then, Jesus, then said Jesus to the Jews, which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall, shall set you free. I want to take you back, actually, to last week's in verse 30. It says, and he spoke these words, many believed on, on him. These are, these are newly saved believers. 
They heard what Jesus was saying. They saw what happened with the woman caught in adultery. They saw all these things, and they believed on him. They were saved. The word saved and believer are kind of synonymous. You believe, you're saved, right? And it's not that, you know, kind of belief that is like, oh, I believe, blah, blah, blah. And you just kind of willy-nilly, you know, say I believe, but you never actually truly live up to it. It's actually a true belief that changes your life, right? And he tells them, he tells these newly saved believers, he tells them, continue in my word in order to be his disciples. Continue in his word. And now I've got to watch myself because there's part of me already wanting to move on to the, next, you know, to the main part of what I want to do, but I've got to pull myself back here because I'm just excited about what the Lord uh, has been showing me, and I wanted to share it with you. But he, wants, he says that we are to continue in his, wor- uh, his word in verse 31 and 32. Continuing in his word. It says, they, the Jews, like I said, believed what Jesus said of himself. And that word, you know, that phrase to continue means to abide. It means to remain. It means to be present in. It means to dwell in. In the word of God, so that way we can grow in God's word. That's what that word continue means, that we must abide, we must remain, we must dwell, we must be present when we're in his word. And the reason why I say that's important is because oftentimes, especially if we read our Bibles on our phone, it is very easily to read God's word and not get anything out of it. Do you know why? There's a little things that come across the top of your screen that has notifications that tells you, hey, this person liked this status, and this person tweeted that, and this person did this, and this, and then Fox News told you this, and then they told you this. And so you're so distracted by all those notifications, that's why I honestly prefer to read out of a literal Bible than out of, you know, off of my phone. There's nothing wrong with having those but I would say maybe turn off those notifications so you're not distracted. The thing is, is that we need to remain, we need to be focused in what God's word is truly telling us because if we truly believe it's God's word, we want it to change us and transform us, correct? Verse 33. They answered him, we be Abraham's seed and we're never in bondage to any man. How do you say you shall be, uh, you shall be made free? They think that just because of their, uh, their ethnicity of being Jewish and being, quote-unquote, God's people, their lineage, their, their ancestry, they think that just because that they're supposed to be God's people that they have nothing to worry about. They're, they're saying, how can you make us free? We're not in bondage in the first place. We're Abraham's seed. They think that they could take it, now, they could take it easy because they've met Jesus, they've believed on him. And they don't have to worry about being made free because they just believed on him. I know it sounds confusing, doesn't it? But it's almost, let me put it this way, it's almost like they're saying, thank you for saving me, but now let me correct you. You never correct God, right? But that's what they're saying. They're saying, Jesus is, uh, you know, says, I... You shall know the truth, and it shall make you free. Who is the truth? Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life, which we'll see in John chapter 14. He is telling them, I am the truth. I can make you free. I have made you free. And and they're still holding on to this this thought that because their their ancestry, their lineage, their, their ethnicity has something to do with whether or not they're saved or not, whether or not they can be free or not. It has nothing to do with that. 
It does not matter what your shade of skin is. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter where you come from. It does not matter. What matters is, is are you trusting in the truth? Are you trusting in Jesus? That's what he's trying to tell them. But they say, thank you for saving me. But I got this. Let me correct you. You don't know what you're talking about. Let's look at verses 34 through 38. We'll start off with 34 and 35. It says this. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever commits sin is the servant of sin, and the servant abides not in the house forever, but the son abides forever. It says, Whoever commits sin is the servant of sin. They kind of missed the whole point about what Jesus said to the woman that was caught in adultery. He said, Go and sin no more. They missed that point. It must have just went completely over their heads. But the thing is, is what Jesus is, what is, what is he trying to tell them? When you sin, it's kind of like if you tell a lie, which is a sin. If you want to keep that lie going, what do you got to do? You got to tell another lie, and then another lie, and then another lie. And you got to remember your lies because eventually somebody's going to go, wait, didn't you just say this and now you're saying that? But it's a lot easier if you tell the truth, right? Because... The truth's not going to change. The lie does. The truth is always the truth. How many times have there been parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles in here that have saw a little kid, and if you told them, if you just told me the truth, it would have been a lot better for you. That's one of the things that I learned when I was growing up, is that if I told my parents the truth, my, uh, the severity of my punishment was a lot less than it was when I tried to come up with some I came up with some really, really amazing stories. I'll tell you that right now. Verse 36 says this. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Jesus sets us free from what? Sin. That's what he's telling us. If the Son's going to make you free, you're going to be free indeed. You've got to receive him, though, right? You've got to believe on him. You've got to trust him. Verse 37. I know that you are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me. So he, he knows he's saying, yeah, you know what? You are Abraham's seed. Your, your ethnicity, your, your ancestry, your lineage, all that fun stuff. Yes, I understand that you're a descendant of them. I understand that. But you seek to kill me. If, he says, because my word has no place in you. He says, because my word has no place. Jesus has said it time and time again thus far as we've been going through the Gospel of John that if, that if the Jewish people at this time, or even us, if we believe, if we say we truly believe in Jesus, when we read the Old Testament, we'll see Jesus throughout the entire Old Testament. When we start reading and we go, oh, that, that's Jesus right there. That's a foreshadowing of Jesus. That's Jesus. Jesus is all throughout the Old Testament. He's all throughout it. And he's, he's telling the Jewish people at this time, if you had known me, you would have believed what the prophets wrote. If you would believe, then, then you, would, you would see me and rejoice that I'm, uh, I'm standing right in front of you. But they're not. They're wanting to kill him. So they've missed the point. Jesus doesn't care about where we come from. His word must have place in us. His word must be everything to us. What God's word says, that's how we live our life. That's how we need to live our life. He, you must, he must abide in you, remain in you. He must rest in you. 
You say, well, how is this even you know, related to Father's Day? Because I personally believe, because of what the Bible says, that the Father has an important role. Has one of the most important roles in the family. Usually, as the Father is, that's how the whole rest of the household is going to be. If Dad comes home and he's grumpy, sets the tone for the whole rest of the house, doesn't it? I'm saying this as a dad because I've done this. I've come home grumpy. I've come home mad. I've come home frustrated. You're like, well, you're a pastor. You're not supposed to do that. I also would like to tell you that I haven't perfected this yet. I'm working on it. Some days I, I do it well. Some other days I don't. But the thing is, is that as fathers, if we would set the spiritual atmosphere in our house, things would change. I've seen this happen over the past couple of days, especially. I say this because, um, you, know that, you know, the big storms that we had back in May where it blew down our fence and all that kind of stuff. Well, it blew down our fence. I'm sorry. Other people blew off roofs and everything else, but ours it blew down a fence. And so when that came down, so did our internet that was attached to the fence. And, you know, it, and so we've let, you know, the lawn care people know. We said, hey, it's on the ground and everything else. Well, the lawn care guy got, you know, a little busy yesterday, got a little bit moving a little quickly, and he cut the cord. And when you have no internet and everything in your house is based off of internet, it becomes really quiet in your house really fast. I know for the first 15, 30 minutes or so, my daughter kept on trying to go to YouTube, and it kept on going like this, and like this, and like this, and you know, the little circle kept on going. And I said, honey, I said, you're not going to be able to get onto YouTube. She goes, well, why? I said, do you remember that whole internet thing, the cutting of the cord? It doesn't work. It doesn't jump over. It doesn't work. And so what we ended up doing was we actually had a lot more family time. We actually had a lot more time together, and it was a lot quieter in the house. And we noticed that also the atmosphere in the house changed. Because for one thing, it wa there wasn't a lot of chaos going on. If you realize that a lot of times, you know, with whatever comes through your TV and those kind of things can cause chaos in your house. That can also happen when you, if you have a cell phone and Facebook is on there. Because we know, we know all the stuff that's going on in the world. But I can tell you this, I can go in there, have a peaceful mind, leave and be like, I just want to scream. I mean, I was going to scream, but I just didn't really want to, you know. I mean, some, some of you may be resting already and not, you know, realize. And there's things that we allow in our life, you know, that will bring those things in, uh, in our lives. But let's look at verse 38. It says, I speak which I have seen with my father, and you do that which you have seen with your father. He is speaking the truth about himself. Jesus is, is from, the, uh, you know, from God. He, he, he came from above. They don't understand it. They think, still think that he, he came from Galilee, uh, Galilee and not from Bethlehem where he was born. All of these things going on. Next week I'll get into the fact of who he's saying their father is. But what I want to do is I want to go back to this profound truth. This is where I'm going to stay the rest of the time. I want to let you know I have four pages of notes and I'm only on the first page. But it's going to go quick. I want you to understand this. 
Verse 31 and 32 says, Then Jesus said to the Jews, which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You say, Pastor, what does this have to do with rest? What does this have to do? There's nothing in there. It doesn't even talk about rest. Well, well, for one thing, like I said, I want you to realize that the Jews had believed on Jesus. The ones that were there had believed on him. That word belief is actually is having faith and trust in someone or something. If we truly believe something, we have faith and we trust it. My daughter will come to, uh, will come to me because she trusts that I'm going to protect her, that I'm going to keep her safe, right? The same way she'll come to my wife. She trusts that we're going to keep her, that we're going to do the best for her. Sometimes she argues with that, but she knows automatically that she, she has faith and trust that, that we're going to do what's best for her, right? She believes that. She knows that. That word belief or trust or having faith also means resting on his authority. It also means resting on his authority. Resting in whose authority? God's authority. He's telling those who are newly saved and even those that are supposed to know him as believers to continue in his word, which means resting on his authority. In other words, if you rest on my authority, then you are my disciples indeed. This is God's authority, God's word. That's his authority. We are resting upon what promises and what truths are in this word, in his word. If we are continuing, uh, continuing in, we are abiding and we are remaining and we are resting. And it doesn't matter what has happened to us today or what is happening tomorrow or what is whatever we see is going on in the world, that his peace that surpasses all understanding abides or rests in us, and we will not be shaken by it. Do you understand that? That no matter what happens, you ever see those people that go out there and they're just like frazzled, they're like, I don't know what to do with life. And they're supposed to be believers. And then you have those, the non-believers looking at that believer going, now, his life looks a lot, you know, quite the same to mine. But then you have those other ones that just kind of walk around and it could be like bombs blowing up and everything else going up everywhere and they're just like, yep, I'm trusting in Jesus. And they're just walking around just in peace, total peace. The reason why is because they're resting in that authority. They're resting upon his authority. We see this, like I said, the Old Testament points to Jesus, right? It points to him. And so in Psalm 57, verse 7, it says this, my heart is fixed, O oh God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. If our heart is fixed in resting in him, what happens? We're going to sing and we're going to give praise to him. Let's see what the Bible says. I want to talk for a few moments before I even get into deeper into what resting truly means. But what does the Bible say about those that, ha that don't have Jesus? It says, for one thing, that they are wicked. All right, and the reason why I say that they are wicked is because this is how the Bible refers, and the reason why that there's so much unrest. Isaiah chapter forty-eight, verse twenty-two says, "There is no peace," says the Lord, "unto the wicked." Isaiah fifty-seven, verse uh, verses twenty and twenty-one says, "But the wicked are like the troubled sea, when it cannot rest, whose waters cast out mire and dirt. There is no peace," says my God. 
to the wicked. If you're wicked and you don't know the Lord, that's the way he, the Bible defines. If you don't know the Lord, you don't trust in him, you don't believe on Jesus Christ, it says that you're wicked. And the thing is, you ever heard the phrase, there is no rest for the wicked. Literally, there, a wicked person will never find rest. They'll find temporary rest in the things of this world, but that's about it. They will never find the, the true peace that God talks about, the true rest that he wants us to realize. And it's going to be a restlessness. But when we trust in Jesus, when we trust, we believe, we rest in him and his promises. As Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. I found that when, I, when I, I'm purposely focusing myself upon the Lord, purposely, you know, just saying, I'm, you know, I'm just going, he is my peace, he is my comfort, when I'm just, everything goes better. I mean, my, my day may be all over the place, but I'm not going all over the place. Like I said, this past week, the Lord has just shown me how, how faith, trust, belief, abiding in, to be present in is... It, to be present in is resting in him. That faith, belief, trust, and abiding are synonymous. They're the same as resting in him. And when we are resting in him, he gives us peace. I've never made that correlation. I'm just telling you, I've never made that correlation. When I think of rest, I think of taking a nap or doing nothing around the house. Or saying, you know what, this is my Sabbath day. I'm going to do nothing except for watch TV all day. There's a difference between that kind of rest and resting in the Lord. In Psalms, the Lord always, he's, he paints this picture of when we go to him that we're going into something. Did you ever notice that? Anytime that we read Psalms and he's talking about the Lord, we're always going into something. Do you know why? Because if it's, a, if it's a strong structure, what can we do? If there's war going on all around us, all these battles and everything else, and we go into something, what happens? We have a defense, and we are able to rest. We are able to trust. Every time that it talks about, he says, he says I, the psalmist says he, says, he is my refuge, he is my fortress, he is my strong tower, he is my stronghold in the shadow of your wings. Every time he refers to the Lord, whether it be King David or somebody else, he's talking about going into some place. Why? Because he's saying, you know what? Rest in me. And as fathers, as, as mothers, as those, we need to be the ones for so our children, our grandchildren, our nieces, our nephews, look at them and we teach them that we need to run into the Lord. That we need to be protected by him. That we need to abide in him. That we need to rest in him. If we're not resting in the Lord, what we're showing our kids is that it's okay to do what the world is doing. Because we're not abiding, we're not resting in him. When we don't rest in him, that's why our lives are frazzled all the time. That's why when something happens, we're like, I don't know what to do. I'm going every which way. But if we're resting in the Lord. Do you ever think about the fact of the martyrs, those that have died for the Christian faith? Do you ever think about them? That when you read stories about how they died, they, what is this? It talks about their countenance oftentimes. It says, oh, their face you know, seemed to shine. It seemed to glow. Or they had a, it seemed like their face was like the, the face of an angel. 
Do you know the reason why? They're resting in the Lord. They're not worried about the flames or whatever's coming, you know, the flames that are coming up around them, you know, getting ready to engulf them. They have rest in the Lord. They don't care. Why? Because they know where they're going. They rest in him. There's a peace that comes over them. And for some of you, you sit there and go, well, that just seems stupid. I'm sorry. If something, you know, if I have a lion getting ready to tear me apart from limb to limb, you know, because of my faith, I'd rather have peace than sit there and try to run around the Colosseum. Because I know that in a few minutes, yes, it's going to be painful for a few moments, but where am I going to end up on the other side? I'm going to be with him. You ever have those moments, you know, at night where you can't sleep because you want to, you have 50 million things going on in your mind? And you're going, and you're trying to all solve them all in one thing, and yet you can't figure out how to do it? Rest in him. Rest in him. In any of those places of safety, as I said, you could take, you could take a rest. Jesus wants us to realize that if we continue in his word, what is he trying to tell us? If you continue in my word, you truly are my disciples. What is he trying to tell you? I want to give you rest. I want to give you peace. But we oftentimes think that we got this. Lord, you don't know what you're doing. I know you saved me, but I got this. I can handle this all on my own. How does that work out for us? How does that work out? It doesn't. Like in Psalm 61, verses 3 and, uh, 3 and 4, it says, For you have been my, a shelter for me and a strong tower from my enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of your wings. Psalm 59, verse 9 and 17 says this, Because of his strength, I will wait upon you. For God is my defense. Unto you, O oh, uh, my strength, I will sing. For God is my defense and the God of my mercy. Now think about this. He says defense in those, you know, those verses, right? Correct? But we look over in Ephesians chapter 6, and what does he, he gives us the full armor of God, correct? There's one in there, his word, that is an offensive weapon, right? If God is our defense, but he's also our offense, what do we have to worry about? What do we have to care about? What do we have to sit there and, and stress about? If he is our offense and he's our defense, that's the whole game. That's the whole thing. He is our offense. He is our defense. We don't have to worry about it. He even gives us armor to take care of it. He is everything. Are you guys understanding this? It's a profound thing that he is our offense. He's our defense. He's taking care of us. It's only when we decide that we want to go outside and say, I got this. I think, I, you know, I think I'd rather rest in him and knowing that he's got this. And that no matter what happens, that as long as I, I keep my focus, I, uh, my faith, my belief, in, I'm abiding in him, I'm trusting in him, I'm resting in him, that no matter what happens, I have rest. Sin only brings restlessness. That's the only thing it brings. Because you're trying to hide it. You're trying to keep it away. And how is the fact of us trying to hide our sin, how, is that, how has that worked out for us? 
You would think we can hide it from our, we can hide it from our spouse, we can hide it from our family, we can hide. It. You can't hide it from God. But yet the world thinks that they can keep on doing it. They, they, they can wear a mask and go loot and riot and protest and everything else. And that's going to somehow keep it... Yeah, you'll keep your identity secret from us, but you won't keep it from the Lord. That sin brings about restlessness. I know people who are exhausted physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually from life because... Because I know that you have a job to go to, you have bills to pay, you have mouths to feed, you have errands to run, you have yards to mow, and then you want to see what's going on in the world, so then you flip on the, you know, on the news or you click on Facebook, and you have more stress, and you have more things coming on, and you have all these things happening in your life. And I want, to, uh, I want you to think about this quote. I, I put it on Facebook this week, but I want you to think. A friend of mine, his name was Hezekiah, had said this, while I was watching one of his sermons, and I wrote it down because it was like that light going on. It says, you can't do the work of the kingdom if you're distracted with working to prove that you belong to the kingdom. You can't do the work of the kingdom if you're distracted with working to prove that you belong to the kingdom. If you are in Christ, you're in him. And the thing is, is, I think that so many times that we do ministry, we go out and we do ministry, and we, and we do all this, and we do this, and it's almost like we're saying, Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do this? Did we not do that? And what does he say? Depart from me, for I ever, never knew you. Why? Because you never rested in him. You never trusted in him. You never had faith in him. You never believed in him. And you say, well, how do you do that? It's the fact that you unplug the TV, you get rid of Facebook, and you actually have time where you're sitting alone with the Lord, and you say, God, I don't care what time it is, how much time I spend in your presence, I don't want to go until I have that rest in you. Then you can go about life in that rest and realize, you know what, it doesn't really matter all that much, all this stuff going on, and you're able to deal with it, and you're able to handle it, because that rest that you have in him, you sit there and you just smile. You just smile, like, somebody comes over like, oh, somebody just ran your car into a tree, oh. Praise God. And just kind of keep on moving on, you know, that whole thing. Because the thing is, you know that God's got it. It's not the fact that you're happy that your car is all of a sudden destroyed. It's because you're resting in him because you know who you are in him. It's like when you go out and you witness to people, you tell people, you share about Jesus. There's a peace that comes over you, and they start cussing and spitting in your face and everything else, and you're just like, ah. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? Jesus wants that for us. And the thing is that oftentimes we struggle and we fight to prove that God loves us. If we're a believer in Christ, we will sit there and say, Look, I'm going to do this for the Lord, I'm going to do this for the Lord, I'm going to do this for the Lord. If you are in Christ, let me tell you this, if you're a believer in Christ, he loves you already. There's nothing more that you can do, nothing more that you can say that's going to make him love you anymore. He loves you with a perfect love. Don't do ministry because you're trying to prove your love to the Lord. Do ministry because you love him because of what he's done, and you're thankful. When you do ministry, for that reason, you're saying, God, I love you. That's the reason why I'm doing it, because I already know. Everything else changes and transforms the reason why you do ministry. 
instead of you trying to do it because you're trying to get God to like you more. Does that make sense? He's telling, he's telling uh, these new converts, he's saying, continue in my word and you shall be my disciples. Because why? He says, you're going to have trials. You're going to have tribulations. But be of good cheer. Why? Because I have overcome the world. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. He is in me. He is my perfect peace. He is everything. I rest in him. Why? Because he's got this. He created me for that purpose. You ever heard the phrase that there's a God-shaped hole in your heart? He filled that when I got saved. And I have peace now. There's a rest that happens in him. And so this morning, in order to rest in him, shut off Facebook. You say, I can't do that. Yes, you can. There's a log out button. It's really easy. Turn off the TV. I can't do that. I got children. Have a lawnmower person come and chop at your thing, and then they can't do it. And get your family together, and together as a family, rest in him. Because your kids need to know it. Your grandchildren need to know it. Your nieces and nephews need to realize. Because you know what? I'm here to tell you this, and this is, you know, you're going to be like, hmm, that was just blessed me so much. It's going to get worse than what it is now. Until Jesus Christ, you know, uh, bust open that eastern sky and you hear the final trump, it's going to get far worse than what it is. You say, how can it get worse? It's going to get worse. I didn't think that this could happen, but yet it's going to get worse. You say, well, thank you for that encouragement. No problem. I'm just here to bless you this morning. We need to rest on his authority. Why? Because his authority is all that matters. And we could say, as King David said this, in Psalm 62, he says, My soul waits only for you upon my God. For my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. Psalm 46, verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. It's a verse often quoted, but yet not really applied. All these verses, what is he telling you to do? He's telling you to stop and just believe and trust in him. You can have things, you can go be going on in life, you can be whatever, but the thing is, is where is your mindset, where is your focus? Are you trusting in his peace? Are you trusting him to, uh, to be your rest? And when you, get to, uh, when you realize that, when you turn off all the distractions and everything else in life, when you turn those things off, and he is your focus, you're resting in him. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. If I could have every head bowed and every eye closed. As I said this morning, this is something that the Lord was speaking to me this week. And maybe it doesn't, maybe for you know, those here, you say, you know what, that has nothing to do with me. I'm resting in him. It's, it's perfectly fine. Well, then, you know what? Praise God and remember the fact that you have to rest in him. Teach your kids that. But this morning, for those in this room that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I want you to give up that restlessness and give your life to Jesus Christ that you may have rest. 
Bible says, come, all, uh, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What does that look like? That means that you repent of your sins. You realize that you have sins. You repent. You turn away from them. And you say, I, I put my full trust, my full faith in what God has for me. And we find that out through reading his word. If that's you this morning, you say, you know what? I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want you to raise your hand. Because I want to lead you in a prayer here in a moment. To help you start that relationship with him. If that's you, you want to start your relationship with the Lord or you want to come back to him this morning, I just ask that you would raise your hand. And secondly, for the believers in this room, I know that life can get hectic and chaotic. We all have to live life. We all have bills to pay. We all have jobs. We have all, all these things. We have all that. But this morning, I don't want it to just be, yes, we're going to take a few moments here to rest in him, to ask him to help us in that. But I don't want it to be just a, a few minutes you know, situation where you go, yes, I'm going to trust in him, you know, now, and then you walk out and you forget about resting in him. But I want it to be that it's a declaration that you say that when I leave this place, no matter where I go, I'm going to, I'm going to believe like the psalmist did. I'm going to believe like King David did, that he is my rest. He is my, my fortress. He is my strong tower. And I'm going to go into him. I'm going to abide there. Why? Because in him, I will have peace. In him, when my mind is stayed on him, I will have peace. Why? Because I'm trusting in him. I believe in who he is. So for the next few moments, make that your heart's desire that no matter what you do today, that you're going to find rest in him.